Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston. Now, before we get to today's topic, I did want to mention uh, one thing that for some reason this week, I've been getting a lot of calls uh, for people wanting to uh, sign up for the uh, seminar that I have coming up here in Florida in July. Uh, I'm going to limit the number of people in that seminar. So if anybody is interested, I have a few slots open. Uh, feel free to send me an email at fhouston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. And we'll go ahead and get you signed up and I can provide you any information that you want. If you have any questions about it, uh, we can go over that as well. All right, folks, if you remember last week, I I titled the uh, last week's show, Who to Blame? And we talked about architects, designers, uh, you you guys, you know, we went over a lot of information. And uh, a buddy of mine on Vegas, and you've heard him on the show before, James Medina, gave me a call. He said, Fred, we should talk about uh the, the job at the encore and the win so i got james on the line let me get him in here james are you there hello hello i am here hello 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 nice and clear well why don't we for the new folks that are listening to to this show give them a little bit about your background especially your well, background when it comes to the uh to the win in the encore <laughs> <laughs> so well briefly you know i don't want to go into a long dissertation, but at, at Win and Encore, I was QATC project manager of on-site development. So between the room remodels at Mirage, the building of Bellagio, the Win, Win Las Vegas, and then Encore, got a little bit over um, about $10 billion worth of work under my belt as far as seeing things from the owner's perspective, contractor's perspective, general contractor's perspective. And that's when we got to meet as well, you know, through it all. And um, yep. we've seen we've seen a lot, done a lot, you know. It's it's kind of crazy. We're like an all-state commercial, so. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, there were we had we had some interesting times. I mean, that that's for sure. Um, so last week you heard last week's show. I'm I'm assuming right when we talked about yeah, that. So, but sorry, you know, you, I'm so sorry. I wasn't being able to get. I couldn't get on. Oh, I, was, I was dealing with the shot though. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. Yeah, well, been there, done that, <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's it's over. Yeah. So, so why don't you give us your input? Uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, wh- what I like to call who to blame, and and probably more more so, how do you prevent that pointing the finger type stuff? And what type of stuff did uh, did we do do at at these projects out there in Vegas that kind of well helped let's, it? Let's, you didn't know, help it? <laughs> yeah, as far as like. I want to keep it like a kind of an open discussion, but I'm going to, I'm going to share a little something with you guys. And, and this is what was interesting to me when I was listening to the, the last uh, podcast is I, I wish I had called in and I didn't feel great. So I apologize to everybody for not being able to participate. But 
when you say like who's to blame um it's it's kind of like a, a kind of an open statement right now when everybody when something goes wrong uh nobody's really taking the time at the very beginning to make sure something didn't go wrong so when right. something goes wrong everybody wants to point the fingers and say oh you know so and so didn't do what i told them to do and uh, the the problem i i read a, a really great article it was a 2014 article from a very smart intelligent guy in the industry his name is david uh, Leslie and, and I, I read this article and it was um, uh, why is my building leaking or why do all buildings leak as soon as they open or something it was, it was a really interesting article if you read it if you have time to I'll, I'll send you a link um, but basically he had it broken down as far as um, what is the um, uh, the the product knowledge when it comes to the owner down to the manufacturer and then also, the decision-making from the owner down to the manufacturer. So you, if you look at a scale, you'd be the owner, the architect, the GC, the sub, the uh, distributor, and then the manufacturer. And so the, the issue happens where the owner has very little knowledge of the products that they're going. They, want, they have a design intent, okay? And this, what I'm telling and explaining to you is all going to come back to who to blame. So the owner has a design intent, and they have 100%. They, they have the money. They've given it to the architect. They say, okay, listen, make a, a contract document for me. The architect goes and he starts making a contract document. And then he figures out when he gets to the construction set, sends it off a, a biddable set to the general contractor. John contractor then goes out to the subs, figures out which sub he wants after he's awarded the bid. And then that sub goes to the distributors and the manufacturers and gets his pricing, correct? Right. So what happens is, the owner, if you look at it at a scale, it kind of dissipates down as far as responsibility as, uh, as the, the design-making, decision-making, okay, uh, from the owner having 100% all the way down to the person who's manufacturing it, which is about 5%, because they don't get to really say what you're going to put in the building it's, if you're chosen at that point. Now, on the product knowledge end, the spectrum is quite different. It starts off at the, pro- the owner knowing 5% of the materials that are in the building to the manufacturer knowing 80 to 100% of what is going to be put in the building. Right. So it's very, it's very crossed and very different. So now take us, take us to the win. Okay, so uh, we, we dealt with quite a few obstacles there, and we're going to put out a scenario, which we talk about usually in the class, which right. was the buffet. Right. And there was multiple items that were uh, an issue at the time. And when anybody's looking at this, especially those who are listening into the show that have taken your course and are having a forensic way of looking at it, there are several things you have to consider when you look at a scenario, not just the problem in itself as far as what has gone wrong. When did it happen? What were the standards they were building to at the time? Um, what, what was the materials that were used. Then you have to look at the specifications to see what was it actually specified to what was actually used on the job site. Um, that, that's a wicked turn, that, a head turn that oh, yeah. we can talk about about another incident. Then you're gonna have also, um, the, the, did, the, did the contractor build for the contract document? So a lot of these, and, and interject anything if I'm missing anything, Fred, sure. no, but so a, a lot of these, yeah, a lot of these factors come into play 
Now, you can't just go out and blindly see, oh, the tile is cracked. Okay, so if we're really talking about flooring, even though I dealt with a lot more, we're talking about flooring, and you say the tile's cracked, it's the installer's fault. Okay? And any, <laughs> any person with, with two brain cells would say, okay, well, the contractor's going to come back and say, I put in what you specified. So here right. comes the finger pointing. Yep. <laughs> So be, before that even starts, if you're a forensic expert and you're coming into it, uh, you have to go through each one of those line items I said. So this area that the buffet we talked about prior to um, was one of the last portions of that were installed, one of the last actions that was installed in Win Las Vegas. Now, there were multiple factors at that building line to the low-rise connection point that had transpired to them to delay the installation process. So, of course, every, every action that I mentioned about from the, the owner down to the manufacturer has different ways they look at a job. The owner, they want a beautiful building. They want the design intent. They want what it is. The architect wants something that they can build on their reputation and say, that's my building, right? Right. The GC, they go to school for a project timeline to push to get that job done. Right. Because guess what? Their profit margins are at the end. So if they can keep everything on a timeline and they build, they have their billable hours and they go at the end, they get their profit at the end if they finish early. The subs concentrate on the labor costs as they, as they go through it and nothing else. The right. problem happens when nobody thinks about what the other uh, action is next to them that they're connecting to. Right. So, okay, so we go back to that, that scenario of that, that buffet. I will give the what happened, okay? So you have a very high-end um, glass mosaic that has been installed on the substrate um, in these inserts around 3CM marble, that has been installed around that. We get a report that the glass mosaics, few, it was about a few months after it was open, were popping off the floor. Now the manufacturer of the glass mosaics, uh, very well known, uh, and the, the glass itself did not break. It was coming off of the backing, um, which was a polyvinyl acetate on a, a mesh, okay? And um, the interesting thing that you always teach us is look for patterns. Mm -hmm. Remember yep. that? Yep, so I do. Obviously, we start seeing patterns. And it was very odd to me. And so I said, you know, I, it's only happening in the inserts. The marble's not cracking. It's only happening where these inserts are. So uh, there's about roughly about, let's say, 20 inserts. Uh, so I took a percentage of the inserts and I did core drilling on each one of them to see exactly what was underneath that tile. Uh, did a soak test and everything to see if the, the polyvinyl acetate glues would you know, come loose and everything. So right, right. I come to find out that half of the inserts were done, performed with a dry pack method, compacted okay. cement. The other half was poured like lightweight concrete on the other half. So 
that was interesting to me. I said, why, why was that done? I go back right. to the contract documents. So there's like a lot of work that's done before you go and talk to any of these individuals because it ultimately comes into a meeting where everybody hates everybody. Yep. <laughs> and then you're given, you're given all of, of 10 minutes to state your case. Right. And, and Fred, you've been there way too many oh, times. Yeah. <laughs> and, you yep. know what I, and you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So, so what happens is, you know, you do the research and you come to find out that the way that it was designed in the contract documents was not installed in the way it was in the field. Now the question comes, I have to look to see if there was a submittal process. Did anybody, mm -hmm. A, put an RFI, or request for information, or B, put in a submittal to change the contract documents to, uh, to the way they installed it? The answer was no. I couldn't find anything. So we get into this meeting, and I start mentioning all of this in this meeting. The contractor gets up and says, well, you know how much pressure we were under to finish this area. <laughs> and I say, yes, I, I, I know. And he says, it was the last class and we had to get this done. And da, 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 da. I said, okay, did you write anything to the architect or the owner stating that you had to change the method of installation? Well, no, we were in a hurry. I said, mm -hmm. okay, well, even in, even in a hurry, you have to be able to state what the, you know, that you're going to change something. So this is where if you're doing finger pointing, you can obviously see kind of like when you used to watch the world of poker and the percentage marks going up on everybody and this yep. is more who's <laughs> losing. So in, in this instance, you know, the, the general contractor sat there. Now the general contractor had copability. The, the sub definitely had copability. The manufacturer of the materials underneath did not have that much copability because they were put in without their knowledge. They, right. they, they had no idea that, you know, this particular type of dry pack was going to be used when they knew the compressor strength was not adequate. Now, the right. pattern, we come to find out, if you take the class, you'll find out that this <laughs> pattern was the exact distance of a scissor lift that would come in and check the bulbs in the chandeliers above. So <laughs> they were soaking the floor when they were cleaning it. The scissor list would come in, which was exceeded the, um, the compressive strength of what they had put underneath. And that's where you got these patterns of, of shattered uh, pieces of mosaic everywhere. Yep. Ultimately, <clears throat> the, the GC pressed on the sub. The sub did take responsibility for the replacement of each one of those inserts. Right. Um, the long story short um, in, in the finger pointing is everybody has to, you know, besides of this scenario that you, we just discussed, right. each, each individual, whether you're a general contractor, an architect, an owner, or a sub, you have to take responsibility for yourself and your own actions yep. of the things that you're connecting to. It's very important. Um, if the owner and the architect had someone on, in place to stop them while they were doing it to say, hey, listen, guys, what are you guys doing here? If the GC had somebody in place that the contractor felt comfortable enough to put in a submittal process to, uh, to change what they were, were, were looking at and knew what they were looking at and wasn't more concerned about the timeline but, it, but the performance at the end, this wouldn't have been an issue. So there are many factors to avoid 
who to blame. That's why they have the Simmel process. That's why they have these contract documents. But unfortunately, the world that we live in, um, it is very unbalanced, like that, that chart I was talking to you about, mm-hmm. from the owner to the manufacturer and, 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 the, and the product knowledge and to the decision-making. There is no even keel like between everything. Um, so th- there, there really is a, a huge need out in the industry for ones to have pride in their work and speak up when something's wrong. But also we have all the tools before us to help us to make those right decisions. Um, but that's my, that's my soapbox. You want to ask? Yeah, questions? well, I mean, I, I, well, no, I, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's something I, I said during last week's podcast that, you know, even if it's a small project, not necessarily a, you know, a big complicated project like a hotel or a casino, you know, put it in writing. I mean, you know, from, from my mm-hmm. standpoint, when I, when I go in and I do, I do an inspection and let's say I find out what you found out and now the lawyers mm-hmm. get involved and now, now it's a whole yep. other ball game because they're looking to, I mean, quite honestly, I'm going to tell you, you know, put it right out there. The, the lawyers are looking for the people that have the most money, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the, the, yep. the, the contractor, the sub, whatever, who has the deepest pockets. So they're, they're going to want to sue everybody. But mm-hmm. the way you protect yourself, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a sub, the way you protect, well, I should say the way you attempt to protect yourself is to put everything in writing. And I'll never forget years ago, I had a contractor called me up. Hey, I'm Fred. I'm getting sued. I did this swimming pool in Hawaii, big, huge resort area. And I thought, well, what's the problem? He says, well, it's cracking all over the place. I said, do you know why? He goes, yeah, I know exactly why. He said it was cracking. We told them we couldn't do it. And they said, no, you got to go ahead and do it. Same story that you just told. You know, we were under mm-hmm. pressure. They wanted it done. They had a deadline. So we went ahead and did it anyway. And my next question was, well, okay, I wouldn't have done that. But secondly, did you put it in writing? No. Mm-hmm. Well, he's screwed, <laughs> you know, at, yeah. that, at that point. You know, the lawyer's going to jump jump all over that. So, you know. No, Fred, it, it, year, yeah. years ago, years ago, there was a paragraph, which it has, it has now since been taken out of the TCNA uh, handbook, which I probably can understand why, because it really was, if there were issues with the substrate or they were not um, within the parameters or compliance with the, the construction, right. it right. was the contractor's responsibility. You know where I'm going with this. It was the contractor's oh, yeah, responsibility <laughs> to write to the owner and the architect. And that was in 04 or 05, around that era, around that time with the TCNA. And yep. since then, I can't seem to find that like um, no. in, in, in the book. So, Though it's not in the in the man, our, our guidelines, there is still a responsibility that must be taken on each individual who to to. If you're going to look at it this way on on the the, the legal end, every large construction, and if you get awarded the bid and you're happy as a clam at the very beginning, just know that every single bit of information within that entirety of that project is going to be documented, it's going to be logged, and it's going to be used against you. Mm-hmm. So whenever you uh, clean off a floor to doing a moisture test to uh, you know, figuring out how much alkalinity is in it, whatever you do, it should, be di- it should have a, tam- yep. a, a time stamp, it should have a date, you should know exactly what the weather is that day, you have to know what the trades are around you that are working. Um, we talk about how we've seen floors 
um, that have completely popped off the substrate because prior to the drywallers were trying to get a level four finish on the floor and they were uh, on the walls and they, they were standing the walls and gypsum was underneath the, the marble and they didn't clean yep. the floor off properly. The gypsum yep. Pop expanded, popped the floor. Yeah. Popped the entire floor. Yep. So there are multiple um, ways of protecting yourself. And, and some guys think it's, it's a waste of time or they feel as though, uh, oh, you know, like the last thing I want to do is paperwork. Get a, take a tape recorder with you. Your phone, phone can record your voice. Yep. Um, buy, buy an app that, that translates it into, into, into a, a, a text. Yep. You will not regret what we're saying right now to you. No. Believe me, you will not regret it. It is something that is highly looked over and very much neglected. I just helped the contractor out to do it the right way as far as um, doing the right testing, doing the right calibration on the moisture meter, finding the right moisture meter. Uh, it's a very complex installation on, um, in Vegas. It's, it's, a, it's a dual layer of a, uh, of a sound isolation mat um, that's between the, the slab. Like, so there you have a slab and you have the sound isolation mat and then a port, not a port, but a, a, a set, like dry pack and then let that right. dry. And then they're going to put another sound isolation mat and then the, the tile on top. But everything from the isolation to the perimeter to pictures they take to numbers on the wall to when they took the pictures, the temperature of the room, everything is being documented. Right. And they won't, they won't regret it because they're going to yeah. have all the documentations that if anything gets a complaint about it, they're going to be able to have something to, to fall back on. And I want to get back to uh, what you started out saying, too, and that is that that paragraph that was in the uh, the TCNA manual. And yeah. I, I get yeah. I get this con- I get this constantly. Well, you know, the contractor has to provide me with a, you know, a, a slab, let's say you're going with a slab that's suitable for tiling. Well, that's kind of true. But he- here's where it gets a little uh, a little tricky. If you go on a job and you see slab or wall, whatever you're installing is not suitable, that's when you need to stop and say, hey, wait a minute, uh, you know, I, I can't tile this. And uh, you can't believe how many contractors will ignore that. And then they go, then when they get sued later on, they go back and they say, well, it says here that, you know, they should have provided me. Yeah, but you're the professional. You know, you're the professional and, installer. You know, you're the one and, that should be you know, able to say, that, hey, wait a minute. Fred, that, connect, that connects us back to that same statement. We have yep. to think about that other trade that was there before. Yep. Now, if, and, and it's not throwing them under the bus. It's like, listen, I don't have an acceptable substrate to install on. Right. You've got, you guys have to make it acceptable. The GC then takes that responsibility. Because remember, they're holding 50% of that responsibility. They're going to hold those purse strings on that individual that poured that concrete because they did not provide a substrate that was acceptable per the contract document. So right. it is their, it's their responsibility to then, because they have the power over the sub by about 20%. So they say, okay, listen, you know, come back in here, grind this down to the, the because every drawing shows you exactly what the, the uh, exact floor height elevation should be. So if I know that I'm supposed to be given an inch and a half for my marble and my, my mortar and my uh, any fracture, and you've get only given me a half an inch, now we have an issue because I'm not going to be able to hit the finished floor elevation. And then the doors won't fit. And then, yep. the, you know, like, you, <laughs> so, so everything is there for a reason. Everything should be checked. 
and we have and that double incident on, on yeah on Encore. Do you remember yep. when they were con- they were connecting the two corridors from Encore yep. to Win Las Vegas? Yep, I remember. And this. I walked yep. it. I wa- <laughs> walked it, and I said, "Hey, this seems a bit high." So we took a measurement and found out the elevation was exactly the the finish floor height was the top of concrete. I'm telling you right now, those GCs, they knew how to jackhammer because I then brought it to their <laughs> attention and I said, guys, what is finished floor to you? What does it mean to you? Maybe on a, on, on, you know, on a freeway, that's your finished floor. But here, finished floor means the top of the stone. Right. So you just poured, you know, a, two inches of concrete that you didn't need to pour. Right. <laughs> and so they ended up having to jackhammer that entire corridor up just to re- just to get it to a, a finished floor high or right. um, yep. a, a finished elevation. So yeah, it is. It's extremely important. You 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 always have to have somebody in place to actually check uh, every everybody that's going to be connected to you prior to and after. So when you're when you're done, am I at the finished floor height so that the doors will open so that the finishes on the wall will look properly? Mm-hmm. This is all extremely important as you go on because if you're that one portion that has not has ignored exactly what the contract documents say because you have 20 years experience or whatever you know they say you have to realize the fingers will be pointing at you when they say who's the blame yep you know it's it's interesting because i uh, thinking back on that that was what 2008 i believe right 2008 through 2000. Well, we did. No, we it did opened in 08. Oh, opened in 08. Oh, not yeah. 08. Oh, yeah, 08. To, yeah. yeah, yeah, 2008. So I was out oh, there for two 08. years. Yeah, I was out there every month for two years, I think. And mm-hmm. some of the things, some of the things we've seen, we're just shaking our head. And of course, I would write a report, and that became, you know, part of the part of the documentation. But you know, I, mm-hmm. I think another interesting story with the encore. I want you to tell this story. <laughs> Excuse me. I know you've told this before on the show, but it's been a few shows ago, and that is the uh, the footprints <laughs> and the leaking that occurred. Uh, you know what story I, I'm talking talk- about? The uncured. Uh, talk- the, the guy. Say it again. The one where the guy where the you, you saw the footprints going down the corridor. Oh, oh showers are leaking. Oh, remember? Oh. <laughs> See, I was I was trying to forget that. But obviously, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's always – so, okay, this is – all right, I'll start from the beginning. So when we were in the tower, man, you just like churn – you just made my stomach churn when I thought about <laughs> it. Okay, so the tower, if, if anybody understands like large construction, sometimes uh, certain architects can do only certain heights on a building. So – some of the architects had the low rise and then we have the high rise, which is the actual construction of the hotel portion. So that was done by a very well-known architect in California. And they, they put out this design. And of course, my job was to review all the plans and make sure that we're going to have a successful installation. As I review the plans, I noticed that they were going to be using a liquid system in the showers with a perm rate that was about five. Now I'm not going to get into the perm rates and everything, but it was right. very, it was, it was high. Right. And to make matters worse, they had zero pitch in the seat in the shower and there was multiple things that were wrong. And so I looked at it and I said, Hey guys, we have an issue here. And I go and explain everything through. 
the architect, the head architect that was saying, listen, you're, you're, you're making too big of a deal about this. You need to calm down. And I said, listen, numbers don't lie. You can take, you know, you can, you can have all your opinions you want about me, but the numbers don't lie about the performance of the product. This is not right. The reason why I said that was we changed the one from the original uh, Win Las Vegas at the very beginning to be a sheet membrane and a product, a liquid product on the wall that was below point, point 0.5. Okay, so this product they were putting in was 5.0. Okay, so if anybody wow. knows anything about perms, yeah. that's a lot. That's a yeah. lot. Okay? Yep. Okay, so go into the shower. I said, okay, listen, if you guys are, are we're, ba- I was basically told, no, we have to use this product. But, you know, I'm not going to go into why I had to use the product but, uh, or accept the installation that they were, they were presenting to me. I said, I don't want nothing to do with it. And they said, well, you don't have a choice. You're QIQC. You have to deal with it. So I said, fine. And if, you're gonna, if I'm going to have to deal with it, then you guys are going to document every shower. Every shower pad has to be signed off by the, man- the, the materials manufacturer. I want every shower pan flood tested. I want to make sure that, um, you know, it's done at the correct mill thickness mm-hmm. because that's also important when you're doing liquid. Yep. So I thought to myself, yeah, good job, Jim. You, you know, you did, you did the best and you could do, you know. And uh, they're on 15 and the floors start on, on five. So they're 10 floors up. And uh, <clears throat> I get a phone call. And they, and they said, hey, we're on five and we're cleaning these bathrooms and, and this, there's water coming through the ceiling. And I said, you know, <laughs> how is that possible? Because I, 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 you know, I did all this writing. I did all this documentation. I did, I did all the stuff that was necessary to make sure that I had a acceptable product, right? Right. So... I go up to five, and sure enough, there's, there's water coming through the ceiling. Uh, not on every one, but a lot of them. And I, I come out of the room, and I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm like, man, where are these guys at? And so I take up the, the, uh, what the, the stairs on the edge, and we walk up all the way up to, to 15. Yep. And uh, 15 had water in the shower pans, go down to 14, walk 14, and they just pulled the dollar plugs out of the, the shower pans. And as I come out of the room, there I see black footprints going down the hallway. <laughs> and it's important to note that the, the shower pans that were above on 15 were a light gray color. The product that we're using was supposed to be dry black, okay? So when I went down to 14, I see these footprints. I said, you know, what the heck is this? And there's a painter walking. And he's got, <laughs> there's footprints as he's walking. I said, hey, you got something on your feet. And he goes, yeah, every time I go in these showers, this stuff gets all over my shoes and my ladder. <laughs> so, so what happens is um, they basically started flood testing, even though they had everything at the adequate thickness and everybody was signing off along the way. They were getting on those shower pans before they should have gotten on the shower pans. They should have let it dry and cure, as the, as the product information says. Somebody was pushing those crews to flood test prior to it being dry and cure, which means it turned to a light gray. When right. it turns to a light gray, it re-emulsified. They t- pulled the dollar plugs out after it passes its flood test, 
And guess what? The next trade comes in because he's got to do a can light in the shower. So he <laughs> steps on it and compromises the thickness of the shower pan. Yep. Thus, you have 10 floors that had to be redone because someone would not wanted to fit a timeline right. and not understand what the performance level was to be at the end. Now, the kicker is, even though those were repaired, they were dried and cured, and they learned their lesson as far as the installation. Because it was a 5.0 perm rate, and they didn't listen to the person who knew what they were talking about at the beginning, mm-hmm. five years uh, was the, the manufacturer's warranty okay, on that product. On year six, one year after the warranty, I get a phone call, and they say, hey, guess what? We're remodeling the rooms upstairs. I said, oh, that's good. He's like, yeah, I remember when you were talking about, you know, these things and blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, I, said, I guess you don't have to worry about it. He goes, no, no, no. You don't understand. The reason why we're remodeling the rooms is because <laughs> all the studs are resting in the wall. So that 5.0 to understand the perm rate, even though they thought it was nothing, it actually allowed the water to get through the wall, rust the studs, resulting into a entire room remodel in only six years in that entire tower. Yep. So it's pretty sad. It's pretty, it's real. It's something that you, you, you have to look at every aspect, especially when you're on the owner side, all the way down the manufacturer, those numbers mean something. And you the know, sad part is the GC in the middle and the sub, they just want to get it done and then leave. So they don't have to come back. Yep. So. Well, the, the reason I wanted to, wanted you to tell that story, actually a, a couple of reasons, uh, but before I get to that, first I want to mention if anybody wants to learn more about perm rates, actually I think we did an interview with you a while ago uh, on waterproofing, and, and we, you get into quite a bit of detail in that. So if anybody wants to go back yeah. and take a, take a listen to that podcast, go ahead and do that. But the, the reason I wanted you to tell that story, that's, that's a perfect example of uh, when we talk about who to blame sort of thing, is mm-hmm. that – let, let's assume you did not catch that, okay? You, you didn't catch the, 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 the guy walking across there, and you have a leak after the fact for that reason. And someone like me comes in, an inspector comes in and says, well, the installer did a crappy job. It's all his fault. When it, not, mm-hmm. not necess- it could have been, but not necessarily. In this case, it could have been the result of something like that. And, and I've right. seen that with, with cracked countertops, for example, where painters will actually stand on top of a countertop and crack it and, you know, try to blame the uh, ins- installer for that. So it's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it, it's real important to not only do it right, that should go without say, but also to document everything, which I think we're, we're beating this dead horse with a hammer, but it's, it's very important, extremely important. Yeah. The, the, the important part to remember is that when it gets to the level of a, of a court, the legal portion of it, um, they want to they want to find negligence. They want to see sure. who was negligent in their actions. Uh, they want to see exactly who uh, they can say, like you said, you point the finger who's at, who's at fault. Right. Um, but but if you've done your due diligence, if you if you've done everything you can to help, uh, you, not just yourself but those that are around you, it will be accepted uh, favorably. Hands down, it'll be accepted favorably, but you, you have to make sure that you've got to speak up. And even if you're a helper learning, even if you're an installer and not the, the owner of that company, speak up. It's, there's yep. nothing wrong 
with, with having a voice, you know, and having pride in what you do. You know, let's see, I, I guess the same adage applies here as they do in uh, the big thing that uh, they were, uh, that campaign, you know, you see something, say something. Yeah. <laughs> it applies, it applies in construction as well. You know, you see it something, always has. say something. Yeah, it always yeah. has. Yeah. You know, it's great. Yeah, we, we, we've really seen a lot. I mean, a lot of different things that have been going on. I recently looked at a shower, and this was interesting because um, you have to be very careful because when you're, especially when you're writing reports, it's never like a full finger point at somebody or something, right? Right. And but exactly. you, you, you do, you have to be very fair and unbiased. And what was interesting to me was that uh, I think I told you about this. It was uh, this house was only seven months old, not old at all. I mean, not even that. It's still a brand new house. It should still smell new. But it smelled right. like like a sewer. Like when you went into this bathroom area, it really smelled bad. Well, um, so I, I asked the owner, I said, you know, uh, maybe you have a dry trap. You know, I'm thinking maybe this, you're not using this bathroom as much and you have a dry trap thinking that you're getting some sewer gas. That's how bad it was. Uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a dry trap. So along the wall on the edges, I saw that the grout was separating. And I'm like, how old is this shower? It's like seven months old. Then he told me this one thing that is going to make your 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 uh, brain tingle. He says, "When I first took a shower, and he's about he's a little taller than me, probably six four, six or so." And, and he goes, "When I stood in the shower, he says that those, these tiles on the floor were popping off the floor." <laughs> so I asked him about a particular color that's on the floor. You know, I'm being very generic right now. Yep. I said, "Is yep. there a, a certain <laughs> color on the floor?" And he says, "Yeah. How did you know?" And I said, what they put that on doesn't have the compressor strength to actually acquire or be, you know, that installation shouldn't be on that particular product because it can't take the compressor strength. It's like basically taking a shower in high heels on a a foamy surface. So we go back, you know, I end up having to write this report. Now, in this report, I actually took the manufacturer's recommendations and how it says it in the recommendations not to install small dimensional mosaic tile on their product. So it's not their fault because they have it in writing, right? Right. Now, here's where negligence happens. This shower pan was replaced not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, (laughs) but seven times. Wow. Seven times until they actually did a mud bed. But in the process, they also damaged what? That, that, that connection point at the wall. Right. The water was actually leaching through the wall and getting trapped where the P-trap was uh, on the other side where the tub was because it was a tub-shower combo. And the, there was like stagnant water sitting in this hole, this pit. And it was bad. It started, mold started growing on the wood, rusting every, and rusting on the screws and everything. So it just, it was, it was a, a domino effect of failure after right. failure after failure. And so then I start tearing out the shower and everything is spot bonded. Remember our conversation, what's the point? What's yep. the, what's the, yep. don't, don't spot. Well, everything was spot bonded. So, you know, the installer was, was, partially negligent because, A, he didn't know how to install tile, and they, they hired him, but the GC is the one that hired him. Right. And, B, 
the nobody bothered to read the literature and they have classes to do this uh, to install it <laughs> properly. Uh, C, nobody from you know the the manufacturers in that sold them the product ever walked a job to say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. So it's going to turn into some class action lawsuit. I can see it right now into that area yep. because they are not the only ones that have this particular installation done on their track house. Wow. So what is uh, one person's nightmare is Fred Houston's next job. So. <laughs> That's right. I'll be in Vegas soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's funny. You should, you should, uh, I, I know I've harped on this on this show and I harp it on my class all the time. And, you know, you had brought up one thing and that is read the damn label. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, you know, and the first thing that I read when I go to a label is I read the limitations, you know, whether it's yep. a bag of thin set or, you know, grout or a tile, whatever, read what it says under limitations. If it says don't do it, don't use this product. Don't do it. Don't, yeah. don't do it. You know, it's as simple as that. And you'd be mm-hmm. surprised how many times I've run across that in failures. Well, James, we're running out of time. Do you have any last minute thoughts before we close things up here? No, just th- thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the, oh, great. the voice. And, and uh, you know, we, we're out there and there's people that actually know what they're doing. Don't Don't be disheartened. Um, no. You know, you, you have to uh, just, like you said, read the label, take your time, and speak up. That's all it is, and you won't be blamed. And document everything. Document it. Document Document, document, document everything. You can't go wrong doing that. All right, buddy. No. Uh, I'm sure I'll be out there soon, one way or the other. All right. So uh, we'll catch up with you then. All right. See you then. Thanks. All right. All right. Take care, James. Bye. Thank you. Alrighty, folks, let me uh, play a few commercials here, and we'll be back right after this. Are you tired of lugging dozens of stain removal chemicals around to remove stains from stone, tile, or concrete? Did you know you only need three chemicals to remove almost any stain, from organic stains to inorganic stains? Dr. Fred's Ultimate Stain Removal Kit is all you need. The kit contains three reagents and includes a detailed ebook on how to remove almost any stain. So if you're trying to remove difficult ink or rust or simply coffee and other food stains, this kit is all you need. To order, contact Dr. Fred at 321-514-6845. One kit is $69.95 plus shipping. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tufskin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with their proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tufskin surface protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. Alrighty, folks, we're back. I'd like to thank James again. And also, I might want to mention that uh, when I do my stone and tile inspection seminar every year in Vegas, James comes along in one day and actually takes us on a tour of some of these failures, some of the ones he's talked about and some others. And they get really interesting perspective since he's been in been in the Vegas area for quite a long time and knows a lot about a lot of good inside information. So uh, if any of you want to uh, 
come out there and take the class in Vegas rather than one in July, then uh, feel free to uh, to give me a holler. Alrighty, folks, that's it for this week's show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.